Fantasy Focus, Baseball Podcast, here are your hosts, Eric and Tristan, that's Caravelle and Cockroft, go! Well, that was fantastic! Yes! Wow! We should keep that anyway, even when we have, like, buttons to push for Kyle. That was the open for today's uh, Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. It's Monday, April 20th, 2020. Tristan, the Sultan of Stat, just sung the open. You know Tristan well. He's the uh, I'm a 90s grunge guy today. Come on. Get it right on here, Mr. Considerate Stereo. For some reason on Squadcast, you are a 90s grunge guy, and I'm Considerate Stereo, although I'm wearing my Philly Fanatic headband. Um Anyway, that's Tristan. You know him, winner of league, slayer of dragons, eager to aid fantasy baseball managers in pursuit of championships, inner peace, all that stuff. Kyle Sapi preps and records our fine podcast and uh, achieves his own greatness with hard work and stick And I'm Eric, someone had a host. On today's fine show, uh, more of the baseball reference simulations that we've been talking about for the past month for the 2020 season, since that's about all we got, including a dominant 17 strikeout no hitter albeit against the Phillies' double-A lineup. Uh, more trivia than Eric won't know, I would imagine, <laughs> if Tristan comes up with the trivia in the next 10 minutes. Oh, and, I uh, have more, <laughs> Okay, more regression candidates, since that's what we really need right now in this country is regression of something. And uh, later on, Kyle reads the hash browns you treated, tweeted, and Tristan will answer them in a confident, engaging manner, fit to a champion. Who with the what now? All right, let's get started. There's no buzz, so let's just move along. Um, taking a look at the baseball reference simulations, and I'm still I, – I love it. I love looking at it. I'm doing a, a one fantasy league based on these simulations, another one which is doing, like, my fantasy team in a simulate – yeah, I guess it's a simulation as well that we can't control it. Um, I just think it's interesting, Tristan. The more that they simulate, the more I start to think, what are we missing on certain players? So I think I'd like to do for, like, like the next 10 minutes, talk about players that – Perhaps we're not even considering in fantasy for this year, assuming there is a fantasy this year, but maybe we should. If if the simulations love them this much, what are we missing? And we have to start with Freddie Peralta, the uh, the big Brewers right-hander who can strike out or walk anybody. He's in the rotation uh, in the simulation, which is fine. If I look to the Brewers' uh, rotation through roster resource and fan graphs, he's not there. But certainly there's room for him. I mean, Adrian Hauser could be a swingman, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer. So are we not considering Peralta just because of the potential role? Because his numbers are legit. That's a 17-strikeout no-hitter against Philadelphia. And say what you will about Philadelphia. It's still Rice, you know, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, no McCutcheon, no Kingery. But still, like, decent stuff. Peralta right now is third in the league in the majors in earned run average with a 1.13 behind Kyle Freeland and Madison Bumgarner. And uh, he looks like he's fourth in hits per nine. So he is unhittable, and he does strike people out. But neither one of us are considering Peralta worth drafting, should we? Uh, it depends on the league context. In ESPN Standard Leagues, you're right. He, doesn't, he, he just doesn't get on the radar. Uh, I don't think he's far outside of that conversation, which means anything larger than 10 teams standard mixed. I, I like him a lot. I want to draft guys with the kind of stuff that he has and two paths to fantasy relevance. One being as a starting pitcher, as we're seeing in the sim, I think that was a bold call by them. And I think a wise one, 
but I also think he has a path to potentially being the closer, frankly, for the Brewers. I mean, if they wanted to free up Josh Hader to use him at the key moments in the game and not tied to the ninth inning, I think Peralta's stuff does play to that. The real issue with him, at least on that end, from a relief standpoint, is the fly ball nature. And the fact that he does occasionally get a little erratic with the walks. That's a, a shaky combo, as you and I both know, walks and fly balls from the closers. But I love the stuff. I, I think you can almost make the borderline case he's a, a, a last pick in the standard, too. All right. So to that end, let's talk about some more pitchers that are doing stuff, and we're just not considering them. And let's talk about the ERA leader, Kyle Freeland of the Rockies, who two years ago was very good. I think he finished like third in the Cy Young Award voting. Uh, he had a legit season. He pitched well at Coors Field. He struck out enough hitters to make us intrigued. Now, obviously, the Rocky, the Coors Field factor is a problem. But right now, that's a 0.93 ERA. So should we be – would you rather consider Peralta or Kyle Freeland? Uh, Peralta, and it's not by leaps and bounds because of the role question. I mean, Freeland is going to be locked into that Rockies rotation. That's an advantage – Volume is an advantage the deeper the league gets, but I'd rather take the stuff. And I, I don't think Freeland's compares. The the value to Freeland and Eric, we, I mean, we, we talked about this, I think, before, because you took him in labor as a reserve pick, which was a brilliant time to take him, that you can maximize the matchups individually. In labor, you can't bench any player that you bought in the auction, but you can freely activate and bench players that you take in the reserve round. So if you took him as that, you're now given the maximum ability to move him in and out as you like, avoid the cores games against the loaded lineups. That's the way to get the maximum value to Freeland. It's just, I think it's a lot of homework and most people in the casual or shallow mixed leagues aren't willing to do it. Here's another Rockies pitcher. So there are 10 starting pitchers right now, averaging 12 strikeouts per nine. Peralta's number 10 at 12. And then mostly guys that we've heard of before doing this, Verlander, Bauer, Scherzer, Giolito, DeGrom, Bueller, Garrett Cole, and then two others. The number one guy in K per nine right now is Danny Salazar, the former Indians right-hander who just couldn't stay healthy. And he's averaging 14.6 K per nine. Now, obviously, if he was anywhere else than Colorado, it'd be a big difference. But should we at least have him on our radar for the future? We have no idea about the health. But we know he can miss a lot of bats. Also, I think he he was not one tied to a team at the time that everything went into pause. I believe he was a a complete free agent. Yeah, he is. He's still a complete free agent. So he's going to have to find a team first. And to his benefit here, he's very unlikely to get signed by and used by the Rockies. So it's going to end up that he's in a different situation where, to your point, he could be fantasy relevant. I, I do have some major injury concerns about him. I, I feel like there's far too much risk in him that until I get the promise that first he's healthy and second that he's in a good situation, I'm not on board. But he does miss bats. You know, if 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 those do work themselves out when everything gets back underway, okay, maybe. Let's go to your team, the Yankees, Jonathan Lois Sasaiga, who I call Jonathan Lasagna, but that's only because I'm an idiot and can't pronounce his name. He's third in K per nine. I'm not trying to be mean to him is my point. Lo- Lois, say his name. Lois Iga? Jonathan Loisaga. Loisaga. Um, obviously, a right-hander with strikeout potential, potential opportunity in the Yankee rotation. How seriously are you taking Lo- Loisaga this season? Because if he gets in there, like, you know I like Clark Schmidt, uh, the young, the uh, prospect. Which one of these guys is more likely to make, let's say, let's move on to 2021. 
Who is more likely to make 25 starts between Loisaga and Clark Schmidt, and who do you like better? More likely, I'd say, next year is Clark Schmidt. Uh, and, and part of that is just, I, I think that Schmidt could perhaps be more, quote, ready by that point. Granted, if there isn't any baseball this season, you know, do, do we just start off next year where we were right now? You know, that, that I don't think either one's going to get there next year. If, if we miss this year and, the, and next year is what we're talking about, I don't think either one gets there. But the reason I like Schmidt is, to your point, he's a little bit high, more highly regarded a prospect. I think he's more of the Yankees' long-term plans. I think Loisaga is, is a very good piece for the Yankees as a swing man, a guy they can throw in there for spot starts. But I don't think they regard him as a, a locked-in rotation member. All right, fair enough. Um, Dave Schoenfeld and I on Thursday talked about Mike Soroka, who goes as a regression candidate based on his uh, low strikeout per nine last season. But he is number four in war among pitchers here. Which side do you stand here when it comes to Soroka? Because I just want—I don't want to talk just about guys who aren't being drafted. I want to talk about some guys that are as well. Maybe they're being drafted wrongly, or they will be. Soroka, do you see him as a potential top twenty starting pitcher? Because he's probably being drafted in the twenty-five to thirty range, I would guess, among starters. Um, I think the case for Soroka as a top twenty starter is that you don't believe in the pool as a whole. And that he gets there just because of a lack of better alternatives. It's kind of the, the Mike Miner ends up in the top 20 at the end of 2019 discussion. Good player, not elite, not a Cy Young guy, but a very good player. And I do think Soroka will get better in time. I like him a little bit better in the, dyna- in the Dynasty Dynasty Leagues than I do in Redraft. I, I do think there's regression here. Just uh, It's an 80% left on base rate. That's probably going to regress a little bit. Uh, as you mentioned, the strikeouts are a bit of an issue. That's going to regress a little bit. The BABIP was 280. That'll regress a little bit, 10, 15 points maybe. And he settles close to the fifth that he had of 345 last year. I, I think people are going to overdraft him just based on the fact they're chasing last year's numbers. And by the way, he, he had some injury issues in 2018. We can't completely sweep those under the carpet yet. Let's talk about Boston, uh, Boston Red Sox left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez, who leads this league in walks. And most of the, the guys in the top 10 in walks are, are guys you would expect. Aaron Sanchez, who I don't think is going to be healthy anyway. Robbie Ray is there. Uh, his boy, Tyler Chatwood. But Eduardo Rodriguez has 17 walks in 29 innings and nine home runs allowed. And both of those are really concerning. His K-rate's there. I feel like we might have been overrating not only Soroka, but Eduardo Rodriguez in our drafts for this year. It was a good season last year. He won games. If that was 12 wins instead, maybe we'd all be looking at him a little bit differently. And he's also had, what, knee problems in the past? So should we, if the Sim thinks that Eduardo Rodriguez might walk 100 guys, should we be more concerned? Because that whip would be high. It would. 75 walks last year. He had an 8.7% walk rate. Uh, I'd have to do the the additional math to determine if that was truly his career high number, but he was over 8%, which isn't a great rate in any of the past four years. You mentioned the knee issues. I do genuinely believe he wasn't fully 100%. He was in probably in very good health, but not truly 100%, even with that all of last year. That's something that's a lingering question. And while I could contrast him against Soroka in terms of the injuries, which is valid, I, I do think that Rodriguez's are more bothersome because they are year over year. It's not like he lost one specific year to that and the others were fine, like Soroka. I, I think that his have been kind of chronic. And a lot went right for him last year. And that means there's regression both in the performance 
and also potential absences. So you're right. Yeah, maybe we are overrating them, and maybe it's also a statement about the pitching pool. Um, and the other one here that's a little concerning is Sean Manaya, who is three and zero in five starts with a two five two for Oakland, thirty strikeouts and thirty five and two thirds innings, but fifteen walks. Is Manaya a walker? Is that is that a high whip candidate here? Because I I've been viewing Manaya as a guy I want to get in drafts, but if they're projecting this high of a walk rate, I mean that's three point eight k a walk per nine. That's a lot. It is. I don't think of him as a walker. I mean, if you look at his career history, he's got numbers that were near two per nine and in the six percent range. If you're going by total batters faced, he does have a couple of years where he's a little bit off. Some of those could be injury influence. This could just be bad luck in the sim. I actually like Sean Manaya a lot. The, the, the only issue I have with him from a draft standpoint is that if people are chasing the elite numbers in a small sample late last year, I think they're doing themselves a disservice. I think I'd be looking at the 342 FIP saying that's close to what's Soroka did, but Manaya also has the injury question. So be careful pushing him up into that tier and certainly don't push him past Soroka. Uh, I guess we should talk bullpens briefly here. Let, let's let's take some time on this because we've kind of uh, mentioned the Colorado closing situation. They're going to have Wade Davis close. They've announced that. But in the sim, leading the majors is Brad Hand of Cleveland and Jairo Diaz of the Rockies, each with eight saves. You pushed me to get Diaz in one of my drafts, Maybe. and I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, why? What do you see here? Because I see Wade Davis losing the closer role and Scott Ober taking it over, but the Sims sees Jairo Diaz being a 30-save closer. What, do you, what, what are they seeing? What are you seeing? And I could see either Oberg or Diaz getting that job because I have serious doubts about Wade Davis's ability to hold up for the whole year. I think of Wade Davis as a guy who plays this year out like what Greg Holland did, I think, in Arizona and I think also in Colorado that one year, where maybe for two or three months, he's a very useful, doesn't cost you much fantasy closer. But I doubt his ability to hold up as an elite guy or even a second tier guy over the full six month year. Now, granted in a shorter year, it's a little bit of a different conversation. I like Diaz's stuff. Diaz's question is health. And he's had a pretty checkered health uh, history, but his numbers were very good. And he did show that he could close in very brief um, instances last September. So that's why I believed him. I wanted you to take him with like your, I think it was your next to last pick in labor. So in a 12 team NL only, that's not paying very much. That's about the right price, but I'm with you on Oberg. You got over for what? $2. It was cheap. Yeah. It was something like that. And, and I'm all on board. As a matter of fact, I believe Oberg, I also got in tout wars for a near similar price. I think it's very wise to take a speculative dollar or two, a reserve round bid in NL only it's on either, either pitcher. Couple other guys getting saves that people wouldn't expect. Nick Birdie, B U R D I of Pittsburgh, who last year had like, I don't know, like 17 strikeouts in seven or eight innings, but then got hurt. He's Pittsburgh's closer in the sim, not Kayona Kayla. Again, Kayla could lose the job in real life, but Birdie's getting them now. The White Sox are going with Aaron Bummer, who they gave a long term contract to in real life this offseason, and he is closing instead of, um, Alex Colome. Yeah, Colome, who's really not all that good. Colome does have three saves in the sim, in, in fairness. But you're right, they've been leaning on Bummer a lot more. Uh, it looks like Trevor Gott is uh, is gotten the giant saves. He's got five of them, not Tony Watson. Um, any thoughts on any of these guys? Birdie, Bummer, anybody? Birdie's an arm, maybe worth 
throwing the dart at like Jairo Diaz and an L only in the reserve in the reserve rounds. I, I do think that is Kella's job, and I, I am a believer in Kella where the sim doesn't. Gots, eh, I said, well, it's an interesting candidate. It's really wide open in San Francisco. That's one we're going to have to keep an eye on when uh, the spring games resume. Right, and I'm looking at the last games that were played in the sim. Oh, nice, nice job by the Phillies losing 12-2. to two. Phillies are like the worst team in this thing. I still don't know where Kingery is. They're playing a guy who's on Boston's roster, a third base for Philadelphia. They must have injuries because Kingery must have gotten hurt. And I haven't noticed anybody else, but tons of home runs. Cleveland scored 23 runs at Boston. Um, I was looking at a sim the other day. I don't remember where I saw it. I guess it was Eno Saris. There was a team that scored 11 runs in like the 13th inning. And then in the bottom of the third, the, the other team scored 11 runs. So sims are all over the place with some of this stuff. I think that's out of the park as well. Um, just. It's fun. It's fun looking at this stuff and seeing what you're doing. I, I'm so the commission. One of my leagues is playing out our fantasy teams as a sim, even though we didn't draft them for the sim. We drafted them for fantasy. Oh, okay, I want to bring this up because I want to get your opinion on this, and I'll, I'll try not to say mean things too much. But so the league I'm in, I, I'm in a bunch of leagues. This league is uh, 12 team keeper, 16 teams. I've been in it a long time, and all of a sudden. Somebody brings up uh, something to vote on, and it actually passed for now. The vote was add a 13th keeper without notice who would be a minor leaguer. He has not played in the major leagues at all. No at bats, no innings, nothing. And I was like, okay, that's not a bad idea. I've got a couple. I've got Adley Rutschman. i got Joey Bard. I could put one of them in that spot. The problem is they voted it in for now. Mm-hmm. And I said – I argued to the commissioner and another guy. I said – what are you, nuts? You can't vote this in for today. Nobody prepared for this. You have to vote it in for next season, for 2021. And and even if there isn't a 2020, I'm still not even sure you could have it for 2021. The point is, not every team has a minor leaguer. And I didn't prepare my team to have a 12 keepers if one of them is also the 13th you know, minor leaguer. So my – and another guy who's a lawyer is arguing, you can't enact this for right now. The season's already started. Technically, there's no games, but the season has started for 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to play in a league like this. And nobody in the league likes me anyway, so they'd be fine if I quit. But my point to you is, would you have a problem with this being a voted ma- in now? I'd have season? a major problem with it. I think you have every right to to object. Uh, I like the, interesting that you bring up the lawyer friend who's getting into the the, the terminology of the constitution of this league. Uh, yeah, and he, he's right too. Uh, my take on that is, and and this is going to influence a lot of leagues, especially if we do lose the 2020 season, is how our keeper and dynasty and dynasty leagues going to deal with a lost year and how how players are going to be carried over. And you and I are also going to deal with this in our sim leagues, is how are we going to deal with the potential lost season? My take is this season is already underway. The process is already underway. If you have not started your seasonal process at all somehow because I guess you just made these decisions early enough, then okay. But I think any change to a league that's being done in-year, a significant change like you described, must be a unanimous vote. And I'm adamant that it must be unanimous. Yeah, this wasn't. This was like nine to six and like somebody or two people were like, I'm not even voting at all. Um, I'm okay with it for next year. I'm not okay with it for this year. And it's not about how it affects me. It's about the bottom line. You don't change rules 
during a season. Yeah. Don't don't put in a rule now that's going to change the competitive balance. Don't ever give your league mates a reason to say, well, I was at a disadvantage because of so-and-so. You want everybody to go in there on even footing and there's no excuses, period. Well, you know, that stuff happens. Anyway, if you're running a league, and I run leagues, you run leagues, just be careful, like, what changes you make because we're all going to be in a tough spot here. Here, You, you might not want to play the 2020 season at all, which is something I thought of over the weekend. If it's a 50-game season, now, there's an argument going on on a ridiculous sim league right now about what to do for next year. We haven't even gotten through this year. But what if you're in a fantasy league that just doesn't want to play a 50-game season because maybe you don't want to throw in as much money into the pot for what's going to be a small sample size season where somebody like Nick Birdie could lead the league in saves in real life too. Um, I can see that point when you don't want to play it out. Um, maybe if you're in a league with salaries or you know how many years the player has been in the majors, you don't want to play it because it adds years and you lose a player earlier. Like you just traded for – like the Dodgers traded for Mookie Betts in real life. They might get zero games out of Mookie Betts. They might get 50 games depending on – I don't think they're going to play this season. But the point is the Dodgers in real life are kind of screwed here. Fantasy managers can make the same case. Maybe you just don't want to play this season at all. Are you okay with that? And what if one guy in a 10-team league doesn't want to play? What do they do then? I think we need to have a good level of respect for what people individually want to do. I I think that if it's a 50-game season and you have a high entry cost and someone in your league balks at that, especially considering the the financial landscape that we're going to be facing, I think you need to be respectful of that. I think that's something we should all keep in mind is, is when we're saying things are going to have to be changed, we're going to have to make accommodations for this, that, or whichever, please be as patient and understanding as possible. But at the same time, try to make an informed, correct decision. The reason it's coming up for us in our Sim League is just because it's going to be a major decision and it's going to change based on what happens with baseball this year. And we'll get through it, but we're going to, we're going to have to cooperate, collaborate, and, and just be respectful of one of those p- opinions on this. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's easier for people in redraft. If you're in a redraft league and it's a 50-game season, believe me, I want to play. I'm going to play a 50-game season. I might want to see the entry get cut down, but I'm going to play. I want to play baseball. I think it's really tough for the people who have carryover leagues. Yeah, I don't want to pay full price in my one-keeper league. And it's just because it seems like a lot of money for what could be a third of a season. And who knows? Who knows what's going to end up happening? Kyle, let's bring you in now. Get your thoughts on what we just talked about there with, you know, the rule change during a season. Um, you're a lot younger than we are. So do you see it the same way? Uh, are, are, is the younger generation not looking at it the way old, you know, guys like us look at it? I mean, we're young, 25 and 29. Come on. Yeah, no, we're all the same age here. But I would agree with you. I don't even like rule changes that happen in the offseason because you didn't prepare for it if it's a keeper league, obviously. If it's redraft and you're making the change before you draft, then, you know, whatever. But if it's a keeper league, like, you need 12 months because you're building a team. And even 12 months might not be enough if you're adding minor leaguers. I was going to ask, let's say it's a third of a season. Third of the entry fee, like, is that where – like, how much do you want to cut yeah. from that regard? Like, would you enter a league like that? I mean, it's not about me being cheap. It's just about the fun of it and it'd be too I much guess. on the line. I, I think if, if no matter what happens with this season, if they play it, the stats are going to be skewed. You're going to have some ridiculous small sample size stuff going on here, no matter what happens with the baseball. I mean, even look at the simulation going on right now. Kyle Freeland? I mean, his first name's Kyle. How could he be doing Freeland, so well? First game. That's about all he's ever had going for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
But look, our boys, I mean, Porcello's like fifth in the league in ERA. Chatwood's doing great. I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on. But if they do play only in Arizona, like if I've got Nolan Arenado on a team, I'm not excited to play out if they're only playing in, in Chase Field. Like, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's a third of the of the money that we pay in. It's just, I'm there, there might be a league where I just don't want to play if it's a keeper league. So I, I think... Going back to my point about respecting what the individuals need to do, I'm not – and I know none of us are going to be passing any sort of financial judgment on what, what people decide they need to do with their leagues. If it's, I think one-third for one-third a season is a, a reasonable thing to say, and that's as a starting point. Not to mention, like, you and I are healthy right now. All three of us are healthy right now, and thank God for that. We're thankful for that, yeah. That's- not everybody in our leagues is. I mean, there's got to be somebody maybe they haven't told us. I just I pray that my friends are doing well, my family's doing well. It's just, but like I don't think in July or August, you know, it's going to be the same. I mean, it, obviously, it's going to come back around. So just be yes, try to be a good guy or gal when it comes to your leagues because not everybody's in the same situation you are. Not everybody wants to play or pay the money, or not everybody's going to be respectful. Just I don't know. I'm, I'm now I'm just making stuff up. You want, me to, get, want, me to, want me to be uplifting to you? Yeah, sure. Oh, I'll improve the mood here. Sing. Okay, we never got a trivia question. Yes. Trivia, trivia that Eric and Kyle won't know. <laughs> like I hit the button. That was perfectly timed. And they're guessing like they'll never guess before. I could keep going. All right. This is going to be a points league question. I'm going to have a little fun with this. I love individual great games, and I would see. I want to see how well either the two of you or, of course, the listeners remember the 2019 season. Let's talk about individual greatness. A 40-point game using ESPN standard scoring is a sign of excellence on the pitching side. It's really tough to get to 40 points. If you have a perfect game with no strikeouts, it's 32 points. If you have a perfect game with the maximum number of Ks, the max points is 59. So 40, great threshold. And I would like you two to name me the eight pitchers who had a game worth 40 points last season. Eight pitchers had one game or more of at least 40 points. All right, and we have until the end of hash browns to do this, right? Like, I, I'm not going to come up with this off the top of my head. Think about it a little bit. Some of, some of them are very easy, and there's a couple that are really pretty. I One of them is very know, I don't even know where I would begin to try well, to figure this out. at the top. <laughs> think it over while we get to whatever's next. All right, let's, uh, Kyle, let's uh, answer some of the, uh, the hash browns. All right, first question comes from Zach. He wants to know if we've seen Mike Trout's best fantasy season. And in general, what's his, which tool of Trout's is most impressive to you? Well, which, which tool is his best? That's interesting because, I mean, power, speed, run, like, I think it's the combination of tools which makes him so amazing, right? I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean... Is is there one real? Is there one specific facet of his game that we're just kind of like it's so amazing compared to everybody else that that's the one? I feel like the great thing about him is that he's so close to being the best at several different things. Yeah, but not yeah. but not the best. Like like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton hit the ball harder than he does, but I'll take Trout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't actually have Trout ranked number one in a roto league. I am second behind Yelich right now, and Acuna third, but. It, depending on the league, I would take Trout earlier, Trout first. But 
I mean, that's only because of stolen bases. Yelich will still 30, Trout will still 15. Um, but in terms of tools, I mean, Trout's the king. Although the first part of the question is, have we seen his best? Um, it's impossible to answer because of the baseball, for one. I have no idea what the baseball is going to be like when, you know, play resumes this year or next. Um, what is he, 28 right now, I think? Um, he is 28, yes. So he had 45 home runs in only 134 games. So I, I think we have to view him as a guy who's not going to be playing 159 games a year, which is a debt to his detriment. But with the plate discipline, the walks, the batting average, I mean, that's a five – should be a five-category player. I don't know. He only stole 11 bases, or he stole only 11 bases. Um, have we seen his best? I'd say probably. I, 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 it's going to be hard for him to have another monster. Stolen bases are gone or limited. Well, That's yeah, but the, but the league environment has declined in that, which helps bump up his performance in that. Yeah. I know, but like, here's the thing, Tristan. Like, is he ever? Remember, I don't remember which podcast we did this on, but I said guys who had their best season their first year. Is Trout ever going to have a fantasy season like his rookie year? Thirty homers, forty nine steals, three twenty six batting average, one hundred and twenty nine runs. Those are his career highs in runs. Stolen bases by a lot and batting average. His career highs in critical categories came as a rookie. Yeah. I would argue that's his best fantasy season and not and by a lot. You're probably right. I'd have to dig up the player rater numbers to give you the weights of these. Uh and and to his credit, that was Ron Chandler's point made coming off the twenty twelve year is have we seen Mike Trout's best year? And yeah, we might have. And I don't think that's at all damning of him in the slightest. No. I don't think it's close to that. I, th- I think he could have 10 of the best. I think he could end up with 10 of the best years in the first half of this century when we get to 2050 and, and I'm 27 years old. Um, I think it's possible. You know, the thing that's amazing was I, I tried to dig up a number to, to back him up. I'll go to expected weighted on base average. I'm looking at each of the past five years. He's been top 1% of the league in that category, in addition to the fact that he's got a 20% chase rate, which is just absurd. So this guy's got a great batting eye, and he's got the ability to to produce like nobody else in the game. <laughs> Is he the greatest of all time? Not, not today, he's not. Okay, when we have this podcast, because we definitely will on April 20th, 2030, will he be? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I have a tough time with this because as somebody who's who loves old baseball and is on baseball reference all the time, like you can't compare, you can't compare Trout, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams. I, I just don't think you can because Babe Ruth would not do today what he did a hundred years ago, not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was like so aberrant for his era. Um, I think Trout could be the greatest player. And then I was reading, it was a Joe Posnanski on that, the athletic, like his number one player of all time was Willie Mays over Babe Ruth which I thought was you could make a great point for that because of the defense and the base running and played in a, a tougher era than Ruth did, of course. Um, you know, and Schoenfeld and I were discussing in the last show. I mean, you watch highlights from the 1970s. Nobody's throwing hard. Like, nobody's striking anybody out. Like, it's crazy. Like, of course Mike Schmidt was hitting home runs. Like, look, the closer, like Sparky Lyle had like two and a half K per nine. You wouldn't be able to survive in baseball with that right now. I mean, Gosses was throwing hard. There were some guys, but 
You look at Gossage's numbers, they're not even that good. It's just, it's a different game now than it was 20 years ago. It's certainly a different game than it was in Willie Mays' era and Babe Ruth's era. But yes, to answer your question, I think Mike Trout can be the greatest player of all time. I just, I'm going to have a tough time ever putting him above guys like Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle. Those guys weren't even like, Mickey Mantle wasn't even in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like the stuff he was doing on the side, which would never, he would never have been able to get away with that in a social media era. Never. Like, it's just crazy, like, what these players were doing. Like, they were just really just hopping out of bed and hitting the baseball. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway. One of my uh, ambitious projects, which still very early in the process, I don't even know if I can get to it during this time, is that I'm tr- I want to try and uh, expand my database of uh, player personal player, player rating systems to back then because I am curious about those maziers and how they would have been regarded in fantasy. I, I mean, maybe if I get there, I'll let you know an update on that. Kyle, I, I – <laughs> <laughs> super geeky me has to answer your question and say that on uh what was it april 20th 2030 2030 yep i'm gonna say that that he cannot be said on this show that he's the greatest player of all time because that's a saturday so i i anticipate we won't be doing a show on a saturday but we're recording remote right now tristan anything can happen i'm you know if i can still do squadcast on my computer like this from home i'm having a podcast and posting it and just saying go I, I'm a calendar dork. I, I used to create them as a kid. Don't challenge me on what day of the week stuff is or what year it was. <laughs> Fair Honestly, if we weren't doing a show today, I wouldn't be sure it was Monday. I have no idea. I know. I, 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 Thursdays now, that's it. I'm losing track of days, honestly. Just, just crazy. How about, how about the day I just forgot to show up for the show because, and I didn't even tell you that it was because, I, hell if I know what day it is. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> You're like, where are you? (laughs) All right, let's get to the next question. Andrew wants to know, what would worry you more in this fictitious world where we're playing all the games in Arizona? If Trevor's story without any games at Coors or Christian Yelich's knee slowing him down and limiting his stolen base potential? Well, I don't know why the ballpark change would affect him running. No, Uh, that's more the story part. Obviously, Rockies hitters leaving Coors Kyle Freeland might be good if they leave Coors. Great. Um, I that I just I don't see it as as realistic to do that. But if if that happens, yes, I mean obviously the Coors Field players will be affected the most. Um, but also, like, which ballpark are we talking about? Chase Field, or is it the or is it the minor league spring training ballparks? Like, I, I just are they playing seven innings? Like, there's so many factors. I, I don't want to be kind of like dismissive of the question, or in general, what you know pass and reported, but I'm not taking any of this seriously until I see actual um, steps in that direction. And on April 20th, they're not playing baseball in June, I don't think. So I'm not going to take the Arizona baseball seriously. I just can't right now. Tristan, maybe you disagree, Tristan. Well, I'm taking it more seriously because I genuinely believe that's our path to baseball this year. But I agree with you that I don't think we're close enough to to start putting any sort of weighty expectations or projections on it just yet. I, I just don't know if this is even going to be able to play out reason, realistically. But I do think it's going to come down to some form of no fans in the stands and spring training parks. To your point about the ballparks, is it Chase Field versus the spring training parks? We, there's a whole extra layer of questions. What about the humidor? 
is the humidor instituted at all parks, for example, to try and neutralize the park factors. That's another thing that comes into play. And in Story's case, the only reason this bothers me is just if you look at the career numbers, 998 OPS career at cores, 756 on the road. He's never been over 780 on, uh, in, on, in a single year on the road. And going back to the Corey Dickerson example, just to pick one here, we talked a lot that year about what happens to Coors players when they have to adjust to each and every day not making that trip from Coors to lower elevations. They're playing closer to sea level each year. And in Arizona, it's still a thousand plus feet above sea level. So I don't know how this is going to influence Rockies. I am a little worried about it. But I'll, I'll say this about if, if the Rockies hitters didn't have to deal with Coors Field at all, they would be more balanced. Matt Holiday was more balanced when he left. Like, they, we've heard from so many people that say, if you didn't have to deal with the effect on your body physically of hitting there and then hitting somewhere else, you'd be more balanced. I think Nolan Arenado would still be a great player if he was on the Mets, playing in more neutral ballparks all the time than if he was just in Denver. Like, you say Trevor Story's career road OPS is 757. If he was on the White Sox right now, his road ERA would be higher than that. He's a better player than that, and he wouldn't have to deal with the effects of not playing all the time in Denver. We know that physically it hurts their bodies. I I challenge you on one thing, and that is that when you pick Holiday as an example and Arenado in this case, I agree. And I think that's more a tribute to the player than it is to the effect. And what worries me for Story, Story is that he's not Arenado. Arenado is a guy who has a K rate around 15%. Stories is about 30%. I wonder about the guys who have some volatility to their game. They have a lot of streakiness to it. And I don't know what the adjustment's going to be like for those players. It might just be that Matt Holiday, I look at his numbers, his contact rate, it's similar to Arenado's. Maybe it's just that Holiday was a great baseball player. All right. All right, bye. Eric wants to know if we get a season. With wins and quality starts potentially compromised because they're just jam-packing games into a schedule, would you consider be more considering to take all relievers and closers over any starting pitchers? I mean, I'd be willing to junk the category for innings because I think who pitches innings is going to be the most important thing here. If games are seven innings versus nine, I mean, Verlander's still going to get his innings. So... I mean, how would, would there be wins awarded? Wins is a joke category to start with. It shouldn't be there anymore. And baseball is like the one sport that is just so unwilling to change the statistics that matter. Runs okay. batted in. Bad category. Wins. Terrible category. Saves. Terrible category. I don't know what baseball is going to look like in an abbreviated season, so I can't answer. But I, I would say – if they're playing seven in games, wins and quality starts just aren't going to happen. So, like, how can you take it seriously? And at some point, maybe stolen bases has to leave. You know, I mean, if nobody's running anymore, then why is it a category still? So, you know, maybe plate appearances should be a category. I want guys who are durable, who play the most, who bat at the top of the lineup. Let's give Adam Eaton some credit here. He's in there every day, lefties and righties. He was healthy last year. You know. So I think innings and plate appearances are going to be important categories in a truncated season, but maybe we should be considering them even in a full season, Tristan. I think we should. I, I love innings pitch as a category. I've made this case for, gosh, it's probably been like seven years now that I, look, innings pitched are outs, 
what do pitchers want? They want to get outs, period. That's a valuable thing. Maybe, you know, you want to talk about the 80s or 90s where so-so guys were just kept out there to eat up innings, eat up innings for their teams as I do the air quotes. Okay, whatever. But nowadays, teams are a lot more careful with who they're dividing up those opportunities. Uh, and, and Eric, to your point, I think the shorter the year, the stronger the case for innings pitched as the replacement category. I don't know about plate appearances yet. I think you're right that stolen bases, we're going to have to deal with that at some point. But I think on the pitching side, it's definitely uh Well, why? If, if innings it. is the pitching category, why isn't plate appearances the hitting category? If outs is the pitching category, then make outs a hitting category as well. Right. You don't want outs. Right. Now, now I'd be careful about doing a quantitative negative category on the hitting side. I think you're right that something should be done, but have we gotten to that point yet where we have a metric that works for it? By the way, the other about wins, where, where you say wins is a terrible category, I agree with you. I still, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to keep talking about this because I hate the fact that the wins category is what it is. I think we should be taking a metric that values the highest leverage opportunity for a pitcher in the game or the greatest individual performance in the game. And when that, that team wins, the player who had the highest level of either leverage or some sort of points metric that determines who had the most impactful pitching performance in the game, regardless of when the lead was taken, they get the win. You give it to the guy who's the best pitcher in the game for a team that won. Do you, are you aware of the pitcher who led the major leagues and win probability added? The, so I'm looking at it right now from last season, and there's a bunch of started, great starting pitchers. There's some relief pitchers in there too. The top three relief pitchers in wins probability added, one of them tied for the major league lead with Verlander. Do you know who it is? No. Eric Tristan won't know? Yeah, because thinking about this, win probability added is going to come into play of teams that are in close games. So I think it's got to be something about just the pitching performance independently of the team. So if it's a, a I don't know, DeGrom? Well, you know, relief pitchers. Like oh, relief? The, the, top, the top starters are among the top pitchers in WPA. And win probability added is a category I look at from time to time. This is the change in probability that would indicate a win or a loss based on what, what the pitcher did. And I was reading an article recently, which I loved, about the biggest plays of each team's history of win probably added in the playoffs. Yes, yes. Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what site it was. I would give it credit. Maybe MLB.com. And, like, the Joe Carter play was – yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't, like, necessarily, like, what you think. Like, the biggest WPA play of all time is a play nobody knows about. It was oh, – uh, remember what it was? No, because I think – wasn't Kendrick something like third or fourth? This is a guy from the 1960 World Series, but not the game-winning not, home run. Yeah, not Maz. It was uh, – It was, I think, Hal Smith in like the seventh inning of game seven who took his team from behind to ahead. Yep. And what happened afterwards is irrelevant. But that was the greatest WPA hit in, in history. Right. Which is, I think, is anyway. The answer to the question is Will Smith of the uh, Giants. Oh who, wow! Who was had a five point six WPA, which tied Verlander, and the other two relievers in the top ten were Kirby Yates and Aaron Bummer. So Aaron Bummer was utilized not for saves last year, but in the greatest situations where he could affect the outcome of the game, and so was Will Smith, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And. And and relevant anyway. The only reason why Bummer doesn't get talked about more is he doesn't miss bats. That's the only reason he's not getting more love than he uh, than he is. But he he could end up a closer, which frankly could decrease his effectiveness and importance to the White Sox, yeah. which people don't realize 
They think the best relief pitcher has to close. No, the best relief pitcher has to get outs at the most important time. The bases are loaded in the seventh inning. You need your, your best pitcher there to get out of that, whereas protecting a 6-3 lead in the ninth, you know, Vince Velasquez can do that. Anyway, mm-hmm. Eric's bold Padres prediction was that in 2021, Paddock is their top player overall, and that Mackenzie Gore is not that far behind. Matt wants to know what Tristan thinks of the immediate ceiling for Gore. He thinks it's ridiculous, probably. By, by the end of next season being 2021? Yes. Uh, the ceiling is that he – oh, gosh. Let me get uh, – who's a – say Soroka continues to come back to mind, and they're not the not. same type. He's a strikeout. The ceiling on Mackenzie Top Gore. 20. Top 20. No doubt. Like, how many lefties are in our top 20 right now? Like, Kershaw, like – I'm missing somebody. I don't think handedness matters here. I think that the fact that he's a very good prospect and if he's in that rotation, he's he's Paddock from the left side. He's potentially better than Paddock, I believe, which is why I said what I did. And it also, me saying that they're going to be tops on the player Raider, Paddock and, and Gore for the yeah, Padres, yeah. Uh-huh. is also partly a reflection of what I think of Padres hitters. I don't think Machado ever runs again. Um, I don't think Fam stays healthy enough for a full season. I'm missing somebody. Tatis. Oh, Tatis. Health, stolen bases. Yep. Um, that was a way of me saying that I think the, the Padres' most valuable players in 2021, and now I'm writing these articles towards 2021, is that Mackenzie Gore, if you have to draft him in a, in a keeper league in the fifth round right now, do it. Get him. He is going to be the one of the best pitchers in baseball in two or three years. Wow. That's my piece I can't but. disagree. I, I, we've, we've kind of – well, not even – Totally disagreed on the prospects for 2020, but I, I'm with you. I see Paddock. You're going to think this is crazy, but when I look at Paddock, I see Aaron Nola. I see an ace in part, but not a fantasy ace top 10 guy. I ace think of Aaron Nola as like the number 17, number 16 starting pitcher in fantasy. And I see Paddock's future the same way. Not a dominant strikeout guy, a, a good innings eater, but an ERA of 330, not an ERA of 230. So I see Paddock like Nola. I see Gore as Jack Flaherty, as Walker Bueller. That's how I see Mackenzie Gore. Tell me that's legit or not. I'm trying to think of who an individual guy based on the handedness too. I, I, I can't I'm, find one. I'm going to have to think of it beyond the show. Uh, the first thing I think of with Paddock is that there's a little of the pitch mix and the likely best, best case career path is Felix Hernandez to me. I, I like the ability to change speeds. One of the things I liked a lot about Felix Hernandez was the ability to change speeds was always the part early in his career not talked up enough. The, the discussion of the slider and the Mariners shelving it was a lot of the early narrative. But I think Paddock could be King Felix in a best case. I mean, I, I see um, it could Gore, if you want a lefty, could be Corbin with more strikeouts. Lower ERA. Yeah, okay, okay. Because, I mean, there's not that many lefties that we count on as a top 20 guy. I mean, Kershaw's at the end right now. But And, by the way, read that story on ESPN about Kershaw from last week. Um, anyway, it's a silly thing. But I, I, if you're going to be bold, yeah. I mean, anybody can say Fernando Tatis is San Diego's best player in 2021. Yeah. I'm saying he's third. Yeah. Wow. All right, give me a name then. For 2021, if you were drafting today for 2021, what's a big name that you're taking under Gore, both after Gore comes off the board? Well, I mean, Corbin, that would work. It would have to be pitchers. Like, 
I don't know if I would take Cor if I would take Gore right now over Corbin or Nola, but I would take him. I think at this point you'd have to take him over Granky. You would have to take him over. Right? I mean, wouldn't you? Greg, he's going to be 37 next year, Tristan. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. I'm okay with the older players, Nelson Cruz. I am. Verlander. I'm still going to have Greggy ranked well, but I'm not going to have Greggy. Like, if, if we don't have a season in 2020 and we're talking about 2021, that it's really aggressive to say that you're going to take Gore over Greggy, I think. If we right. do, I think yeah, you're right. You're there. right. How about... How about Gore over Eduardo Rodriguez? I would do that. Okay. I... How about Gore over Sonny Gray? Over Zach Wheeler? I see the, the point on these. I see the point. I don't think we would do it, but I see the point. We wouldn't I... rank it that way. But if the Padres said that Gore makes the rotation in 2021, how can you not rank him as your number 25 starting pitcher? If right, they say he's going to be in, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of time on one player. I'm just saying, like, it's we know Max Fried of Atlanta is good. Mackenzie Gore is going to be better than Max Fried. And we have Max Fried right now as, like, our number 25, 28 starting pitcher. That's all. Let's answer your trivia question at some point. <laughs> let's, let's roll with it. I got and my eight. Look, Kyle, what's this last question, which, by the way, is not even a contest. So. <laughs> okay, last okay let's hear Because the poll came back. He ran a poll on it on Twitter, and it was about 50-50. Really? If you have to have one. The rest of your life, chips or ice cream? <laughs> Neither. This is potato chips, right? I think chips can be all inclusive, but sure, potato chips. This isn't even close. What do you want? Eggplant parm chips? I mean, come it's on. Ice cream by more country than a country, by several country miles. I, I think it's ice. It's ice, ice cream's cream. gonna kill me. I know it. I think it's ice cream too. He he posed the question to me, saying that he'd be surprised if chips wasn't the lay down answer. Uh, I know. That's why I put it on. I'm ice cream. Ice cream can make a milkshake. That that alone puts it over chips. Had I feel I'm I'm really sorry you have not had the best of quality ice cream in order to have seen that this is the right call. And What's I'll your tell you guys, ice cream. By the way, uh, what I made the past two days the the Disney Dole Whip. The what? The Disney <laughs> Dole, the Dole Whip that you get at Disney. I've made it at home with French vanilla and fresh pineapple and pineapple juice, and and it's pretty good. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I should send you the Eric, you were asking Tristan, what's your favorite type of ice cream? Probably that. <laughs> it's not just my not. favorite. I've never had it. Just heard it. My favorite is the Nutella um, Nutella ice cream at uh, Thomas Sweet in Princeton. Oh, you even got a place. Man. I mean, in a general sense, I like Oreo ice cream because I like Oreos. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, or chocolate chip, you know, like something like that. What do you like, Kyle? Do you eat ice cream? I'm I'm a milkshake guy, but that's that's ice cream close enough, and I'm a peanut butter guy all the way. You put chocolate in there, you put a banana, you put almonds, whatever. I do like a good Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, so good. Did you guys like the um the friendlies Reese's peanut butter sundae when you were younger? That giant thing as yeah. big as my head. Well, and it no, had, it's a, it had a hat or Reese's on top, and it was like ears or something up there. Yeah. Yep. The the ball was not as big as my head. I'm sorry, it was about a quarter of the size. It was like Eric's head. Size. Yeah, you know. It was Eric. Eric sized. I think my my head is a normal size. Tristan's is just like twice as normal. I, like I said, ice cream is going to be the death of me. If you had an ice cream sundae as big as my head. <sighs> but then again, I mean, Tristan's like noggin needs to be that big because of all the baseball stats that are in there. Yeah, I agree. And there's, there's lots of secrets, too. 
Ooh, All right, let's answer the trivia question. I'm right, going to question. Let's get back I've to the question. Games for you, Eric. You tell me which ones are right and which ones are wrong. Trivia, was, uh, to, to recap the question, it was 40 points by a pitcher last year in a game. 40 ESPN standard points in a game. There are eight pitchers who got there at least once last season. Can you name them? All right. Well, I think, right. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I've got eight names, Eric. You tell me which ones stay, and those will be our guesses, and then you fill out the rest. All right, go. I'm assuming Cole. Yeah, he he must have had a strikeout game or two. It's got to be a big strikeout guy who didn't walk somebody right. and went innings. So Cole's got to be on there. you got to tell me when they're – so you guys are locking him in. Locking in Cole. Okay, you're correct. Okay. Scherzer. Probably against the Phillies. <laughs> Probably against that's, the Phillies. That's your second pick? Eric has to say if we're locking it in. He is incorrect. Incorrect. You Darvish. Verlander. Okay, Verlander. Verlander is correct. That's two. Verlander had pitched a no-hitter, so he's got to be in there. That's the one. Yep. He had the highest score game. It was 45 points on the September 1st no-hitter against Toronto. Okay. <coughs> so that's so two out of eight. Kyle? They're the easy right, You Darvish. Probably had a crazy game in there somewhere. Are you just guessing players? <laughs> I got, I've got Reynaldo Lopez. I've got some weird names on this list, but I just like guys that had one big I'm going to say no on Darvish. Okay, we're not guessing him then. You didn't guess him. You got to guess him. Oh, oh, so, okay, so you, how are we playing? You, Darvish, yeah. All right, all right. I'm just going to take the names individually or we'll be here all night. Darvish is incorrect. Yeah, I didn't think, like, when he was, when he stopped walking people, I don't recall him having, like, 12 strikeout games either. But I could be wrong. Understand that this it effectively needs a complete game, two-hit shutout, 10K type of game. I have a couple names in mind that, like, First of all, the other guy who threw a no-hitter is should be on there, Mike Fires. Incorrect. So Mike Fires threw a no-hitter and it didn't make it. Okay. All right, Eric. You go. You send your list. You're making fun of mine. I got Ronaldo, uh, Giolito, Bieber, Clevinger. The rest Bieber of had a Bieber had like a 15 strikeout game, so he has to be on there. Bieber did it twice. He's one of the three that did it twice. Okay. We've got three. I mean, Chris Sale had like a 16 strikeout game, didn't he? Chris Sale is one of the others who did it twice. Okay. We have four to the eight. One more did on it twice, list? the others are once. Kyle, who else was on your list? I had both White Sox and Clevinger was another one. I had Reynaldo, Giolito, and Clevinger. I mean, Giolito should be on there. He had some big strikeout games. Giolito is correct. Yeah. I don't know about Reynaldo Lopez, but like he did have a couple decent games in September, didn't he? He's incorrect. Like, didn't, like, um... That was my sleeper. Like, German Marquez had a game, like a one-hit shutout, didn't he? Eric is really good. Oh, my God. Marquez is the tough one. You are correct. Herman Marquez had 40 points on April 14th against the Giants. And he's the only one who did not whiff in double digits. All of the others got at least 10. All right, two more, Eric. Drive the ship. Clevenger was my last name. I mean, that's a decent name, right? I mean... Clevenger? That yeah, but these names aren't getting this done. Your names are. Clevenger's incorrect. I mean, it's got to be a strikeout guy. Yep. So. This is regular season, by the way. I would assume, like, I mean, who didn't we name? DeGrom? Flaherty? Jack Flaherty had a game like that, right? Nope. Luis Castillo? Nope. Tyler Glass now? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Poor, highly ranked players who've been avoided. <laughs> These two are pretty common names. 
Oh, uh, I mean Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller is the other who had two of them. All right. Last one. Who is it? And one more of them. I was just watching his major league debut. They replayed Strasburg. Very good. That's the eighth. He could have yeah, had in his debut game, right? That's a yeah, they had all debuts that day. They had the Kershaw debut game. Um, not a lot of baseball this year. They had the Aaron Judge homer game where Austin and Judge back-to-back first homers and first major league at-bats. And, and by the way, they, they, they can stop showing Bull Durham. I've seen enough Bull Durham. <laughs> oh, Kyle, did you watch uh, – I'm assuming Tristan didn't, but you must have watched the Jordan thing last night, right? Oh, my God. Fantastic. It. It's so good. I can't wait – that's the one thing I'm looking forward to, and we got to wait another week until it comes out. But that was good. So good. good. I'm glad they're doing it this way, as opposed to me just staying up all night and binge watching it. Like I want, I have. It's gonna be my way of watching it. <laughs> you, you might think it's silly, but like I, I can wait. I mean, I'm disciplined. I can wait months. So like, like I'm waiting to watch TV shows now until they, you know, they're free. But like this Jordan thing, I have something to do now every Sunday night. I, I like that. I. Basically, every day is up of my life now is just getting to the next day. So if I can find enough things to do, whether it's work or listening to music or watching a show or cleaning up this part of the house so I can sell it, whatever. Um, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> not selling a house this year. Um, and we should note, what else, so what else can we point out here? So the NFL draft is coming this week. Uh, Kyle, I'm sure the fantasy football oh, yeah, we'll be been- We'll be busy doing podcasts this week, right? What's going on there? I think our plan right now will be Monday to kind of get everything under uh, underway. We will be producing content as things come in. There might be something Friday to go over the first round Thursday, but we'll see as that comes. But all of next week, for sure, we'll have a ton of football content, you guys included. Uh, well, we'll see about that. And there's also a game, right? Isn't there like a draft game? Yeah, it obviously kicks off when the draft does, but it's from when will Joe Burrow go to when will Tua go to how many players from Conference X will go in round Y. It's it's fun. You can win a bunch of money. It's free. You're going to get a million people, so good luck with that. But how many yeah. Kyles will get drafted? Yeah, it's the uh, ESPN NFL Draft Challenge, and it looks like Mike Clay wrote a preview of the game to help you make your best choices. So everybody should check that out as well. Uh, there are our colleagues. So anyway, uh, any other thoughts here before we leave? This is a really long show, but yeah. I guess nobody really cares. So <laughs> we can Let's do what we want. It out. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's it. It was good to have the band back together. Thank you to Tristan, who uh, named himself 90s Grunge Guy on the bottom <laughs> on this Squadcast that we're doing. Thanks to Squadcast as well. Thanks to Kyle Sapi. Great job out of you today. Continued health for everybody that we know and love. And uh, I think we'll be back on Thursday for another show. Uh, I am Eric. Have an awesome week. That is our show. Hope you liked it.